right, dude. The cold front's coming in, man. Yeah. Cold front in, in, in September means, like, we can not sweat our asses off so bad, pretty much. That's it. Right? Yep. Even though we've all, uh, we've had two of our uh, hottest days of the whole year have been here in just the past couple of days, right in September. That's kind of strange. Yeah, but fall did come at the perfect time, and you're right. You're right. It did do that. Uh, that we had some of the hottest days, and then bam, this little front hit, and here we are, man, sitting. It's beautiful outside tonight, really, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, tonight is nice. Tomorrow night's going to be in the 50s, mid-50s, and when we wake up on Thursday morning, man, it's going to be uh, just that perfect time, you know? Right. That Those perfect mornings, it's like that weather's just, just right. I love that temperature. You know, if it gets too cold, man, honestly, like I was born and raised in Texas, and I've lived up in cold weather. I lived up in Pennsylvania for a little while, and I worked through the winter time. Actually, I lived up there through the winter time, and uh, I was born and raised in Texas, you know, so I wasn't used to it. It's co- it's yeah. cold up there in the winter time, and it was snowing <clears throat> constantly, and uh, I grew a beard that winter, for real. Right. That was the time <laughs> I grew a beard. I'm not even lying. Yeah. I wonder if it had something to do with it, because I never like I could like grow like kind of like a little chin strap before that. Right, but that winter, man, my whole beard just came in, like right there. Huh? <laughs> I think it may have like you adapted. Know, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I wanted to say something happened right there. You know, like right. you know, even if it was a spiritual thing, like God gave me what I needed. You know, yeah. to survive, whatever you want to say. You know, it was an interesting thing. But then, uh, anyways, I don't even know where I was going. Oh, but the cold, yeah, I, yeah, I, I can, yeah. I can do it, but. I can see where, man, it, it can really wane on you, in the, especially in the later, like when it's already spring for most people, and it's yeah. been cold for so long. That's where it gets hard. But, uh, I mean, honestly, I think it's going to be a cold winter. I expect it here, but yep. spring will come back around with, uh, God willing, spring will come back around, man. Yep. No, I think that, uh, you know, it's funny, I've talked to a few people who just hated that little cold snap we got last winter where we got snow here in the hill country uh we i I mean heck we had close to probably uh, seven or eight inches of snow in in some areas uh and people around here a lot of people around here just could not stand it man i and you know i've I've made a few comments saying i really wouldn't mind it if uh we got our if we got what like one good snow a year here you know and that's it just one good snow during the coldest part of the winter or whatever and get it over with and you know because i grew up up in kansas well i i i lived up there for about six years anyway and uh we had you know we had snow that, that's probably just about on the same uh lateral lateral level as uh pennsylvania is and so we you know we had snow it, it would snow throughout the winter usually you know a foot or so a foot or two and uh I liked it, you know, I, I grew up with snow, I like snow, so, you know, I didn't mind it too much, but I know that a lot of people around here uh, are not fans, and uh, that's for sure. You do a little sledding up there? Oh, yeah, a little sledding, you know. That's actually a little, really... A little, little tobogganing. It, yeah, <laughs> you know, that sledding's pretty fun, like tubing yeah. down a hill or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's where it kind of, it's really fun. I did enjoy, my wife took uh, me snowboarding when we were young up there. In Pennsylvania, actually, and then I never went when we lived in Santa Fe. I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, too. It's another place where it was cold, but man, when you're in the mountains, it's a different level because you can go right. snowshoeing stuff, like basically hiking in the snow. Yep. It's 
pretty cool. Yeah, you know? I wouldn't mind going. No, it's and, cool. Yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. cool. And really, it's cold. It's really cold. But right. I don't but know. You're moving. You're moving, you're moving and yeah. the days, if you find a beautiful day, it's just, it's really not, not horrible. And that's where I could probably take the snow. But, you know, again, I, I love Texas, man. I, I, yeah. The weather's a big part of that. I mean, can't climate is definitely part of that. When you're used to this, I know I, I like to wear pants. I like to wear blue jeans a lot of times or just whatever pants I have. Like cat, like khaki blue jeans, or whatever, and uh, you know, people always tell me whenever I'm wearing blue jeans in the summertime, they're like, "Oh, yeah, this guy's a native," you know, because yeah. yeah. no way I'm freaking wearing. Hell, dude, I'm a native man, and and I don't wear blue jeans in the summertime unless it's a formal occasion. Tell you that much. Yeah, but uh, I do a lot of walking out in in the brush and stuff too, though. Yeah, I mean, no, I, mean, I I there's just like I don't. I mean, some days I wear cut shorts. cedar, and I'm running, and I'm and I'm doing a lot of moving through cedar brush and through the cedar break. I wear pants on those days for sure. I'll tell you right they, now, they have their they have their uh, their their purpose. Yeah, laugh at people who wear chaps, and then and then go walk through the cedar brush. Okay. Yeah. And then you'll realize quick, or even worse, go down south in the mesquite brush and stuff, man. Oh yeah. You'll realize why why the chaps were invented. I can't. What, what were they called in in Spanish? Can you say that word in Spanish? What they actually? They, that's how they actually originated, right? Yeah, I believe yeah, it I believe was. Is the Spaniards? Yeah. Yeah, and that's just riding like, that rough terrain down, man. That's crazy. Yeah. At least I believe I believe that is, man. I mean, I hope those fact checkers get us, man, and help us out <laughs> here, man. You know, I feel like if 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 the fact checkers are on the ball, man, they could help you out sometimes. You know, not yeah, making right? things so hard in the moment. For real. <laughs> Yeah, no. just just look underneath the uh, the uh, the episode and see if it's been fact checked. Yeah. yeah, well, the whole thing is like most most podcasts and stuff today, dude. They're not a lot of them aren't making claims even based off a of fact. They might no. see some use some articles where they saw some things that made them conclude, but most are operating off of opinion. Right. So you're fact checking an opinion. Yeah. I mean, how does that work? That really like. Yeah, most. Most podcasts, especially the kinds of podcasts like ours that are just kind of a round table kind of thing, they're no one should be going to podcasts for their, you know, factual news or whatever you want to call it. You know, uh, th- th- this is a place where uh, where we discuss ideas and we just you know, and, and part of our, uh, discussing ideas is expressing your opinion about things. And, uh, you know, we, we try and, uh, stay on, you know, as on top of the news as we can, you know, with our lives and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'll I, tell you I who totally I'll give, see what you're going I, I, I was actually thinking about this is I thought it'd be kind of, uh, interesting to get every now and then to start giving some shout outs, like people that I kind of follow, maybe yourself too, right. to let anyone who ever listened to this kind of know some of our influences. I know we've talked about like Ron Paul and Gerald yep. Salente and, uh, even Alex Jones to some extent. I mean, to some extent, you know. And dude, before Alex Jones was demonized, man, I mean, yeah. once he was demonized, everyone just wanted to follow suit and demonize him, you know. Yeah, it's no. like... He, I'll listen to Alex Jones. Opinion, I, I, mean, take it, I, I take him with a grain of salt. Sure, sure, sure. I definitely take him with... But I'll t- I take pretty much everyone with exactly. a grain of salt. Exactly. You, you should know? have that same type of inquisitive nature, like, to learn and stay open-minded when you're talking to people... Or listening to people. Remember, it is opinion. I mean, right. a lot of what we do in life is just—it is opinion. I mean, what is fact? 
Yeah. Really. I mean, there's few... Fact is, like, what you physically see happen, you can really prove, or, like, forensically, you can prove something. Uh, Really... There, there is some fact in life, no doubt about it. But I mean, there is a lot of mystery in life, and there's a right. lot of opinion in life. And when you have so many different perspectives and histories, it's you know, perspective really does change. You have to have, uh, you know, I, I guess just a general understanding of that at least help you out. I mean, you don't right. have to have it, but I, I think it's helpful probably too. But I will say this is a uh, one shout out I wanted to give right now on this one would be a uh, I've been following. Uh, something called there's something called Rebel News, and most people would say, "Oh, this right wing." I don't see it like that. Uh, I don't think that's what they are actually. I think they're a growing kind of, uh, they're trying to be a little bit more representable, uh, trustworthy, um, kind of independent media source called Rebel News, and they have a, one journalist specifically that I've been following, and I have for actually quite a while, named uh, Avi Yemini, and he's from Australia. And he's been covering on the ground in Australia through these protests and just, I mean, he's been a journalist there for a long time. Yeah. And uh, really has some great footage from a different perspective. Because if you get on YouTube and you go to the ABC out of Australia, they're going to sit there and demonize oh, yeah. people and not even give you the whole story. You you know, media can be biased in every ways, but at least you can have different perspectives. If you don't get different perspectives, you're going to be stuck in these little rabbit holes of information, you know? And uh, I'm glad that we have people like Rebel News to give us an an alternative view because when you see the physical stuff happening and and what's going on, you know, okay, wow. This is much deeper than those mainstream people make you believe. It's just that simple. Like they even said, oh, look, it's... uh, it's rioters and uh, it was the labor unions, you know, protesting this week, you know. Right. And they're yeah, like, oh, look, it's rioters and, and labor vest. <laughs> it's like, no, it's the laborers. <laughs> it's, so it's the construction workers that build your city. You right. know, really, a lot of them. Right? Yep. And even if there are people out there that maybe are, again, you know, out there for another cause or whatever, that's fine. But, I mean... You know, for a large part, those people who invest probably aren't fake. I don't think they're all faking it, you know? Right. Uh, and when you when you get on the ground with Avi Yemini has footage on the ground, you realize, no, they're not. A lot of them are not faking it. Look at them. Listen to them. Right. You can hear them talk and and what they're saying, you know? And it's uh, it gives us a way better perspective. Great, good, that's real journalism. Yeah. I mean, that's fact. That's like what's happening. You can see it. You can decipher it. And, but now you can create an opinion. And you can speak about it. And right. then it's an opinion as it starts to travel down the telephone line. It's it's all opinion-based. I mean, it's so hard. Journalism has been dead. It's, it, it's, it's not dead on a, uh, on a grassroots level, I don't feel like. But on a mainstream level, you know, journalism has struggled. The other person I'll give a lot of credit to, I've followed. I was lucky to find him years ago, just luckily through the abyss of the internet. And that's Glenn Greenwald. Have you ever seen mm, Glenn yes. Greenwald? A good journalist, man. Uh, I feel like one of the best. You know, really, really does it does a good job covering stories. But uh, so, what's been on your mind, Levi? You can you can kind of lead us into something if you want. What do you what do you, what do you got going on? What are you thinking? Oh, um, you know, I've been uh, trying to keep up with the news as much as possible lately. I tell you what, it's been kind of hard though to keep up with the news. Uh, trying to sift through all this uh, this murder victim missing persons case thing that's going on right now uh 
I mean, I, I, I'm probably preaching to the choir here for anyone who's listening, but I'm pretty sure everybody in the nation has heard about this at this point. Uh, but that's that the, is that's the, the point, uh, right? That's, the, that's yeah. the, kind of the point you're trying to make, yeah. though, is like, I mean, it just confiscates oh, all other just, news cycles. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. What happened to the oil spill in the Gulf? Can't even, the last thing written about that was over five days ago, almost six days ago now. So, yep. you know, but it's like, these are like updated every 12 minutes. Oh my goodness. Know? More. I mean, the the amount of headlines I found for this one case alone is is just overwhelming. I mean, they, they have followed ever, and by they, I mean basically every mainstream news network has followed every single little bitty facet of this thing all the way through you know uh but but for anyone who might not know what i'm talking about i'm talking about this uh uh missing persons case but they have found the body now and confirmed that they have found the body of uh gabby and i'm gonna get the name right this time petito petito did i do that right hey look at that all right uh (laughs) They have, the, uh, the, but they have found the uh, remains of Gabby Petito in Wyoming at a campsite, and so now the search continues for her fiance Brian Laundry, who, uh, well, I guess went on a hike. They went on. They went on a hike. Uh, the, when did this start? Like a, w- a week and a half ago, or something like that. Oh, so the information that I, I just gathered, and I have, I've seen this story. I saw it develop. Of course, if you follow any type of news cycle at all, or, or if you ever get it, you know, if you go to the damn uh, store and the news is on, you've seen yeah. this, right? So I've seen this in the cycle. And so before I tried to do a little research on it, and I did try to stay a little involved with what was going on. And, and to be honest with you, it's very sad and heartbreaking. And I think that's why it confiscates people's minds because they want to. F- figure this out and people do they love crime shows obviously oh, in America yeah. I mean it's kind of like a live crime show as sick as that sounds judge that how you may right. but that's you know for whatever reason people tune in who knows there's it varies who knows that's just it's it's really irrelevant I no, think yeah. you know but I think that uh, one thing I will say that I, I, I would always say in a situation like this seriously is to any of the uh, I don't have really an opinion too much about the whole thing. I just think that it's sad, and for the people involved, man, it just ruins so many lives. Right. That type of behavior, and it just is really sad, man. No matter what, like if you have problems like that, just separate. You know, like do your best to. I mean, that's just, just yeah. it's just sad. It's just a sad story. It's a sad. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very it's sad, definitely... depressing story for everyone involved. All the families, all the friends, all the people it touches, and. uh but but moving past that and more over to your point is that uh, I don't necessarily know that it it needs to uh, you know we've got some real real problems you know and, right. you know and I think that they, that you know they should probably be we should really probably be you know having a better media discussion about things like <laughs> they can help our situation right. everybody's situation but anyways so the thing is they went on a cross country trip. Okay, her and her her fiance went on a cross country trip. Yeah, they wanted to, they saved up. They wanted to go see national parks, so they took off on a journey. They did this. They were gonna have a, a YouTube channel, which they did. Forgive me, I don't know the name, but I'm just going kind of off what I know. Okay, they uh, and again, this is kind of opinion, kind of kind of based in a little fact that I've seen, but still my kind of perspective of what I've what I know. 
Okay, they were going through cross-country trip. They went on. They have some encounters. They post some things. They do their thing. One instance that never came out until after this happened was that in Utah, someone had called the police on them because they were having a violent altercation, some type of alter- physical altercation. Mm. In which case, people even said that they saw her being slapped or he grabbed her face. You know, I can't remember. And, and they are on camera talking about it, what happened. I just never right. watched that. You know, it's there on the body cam. Okay, they're, they're there and physical. You can watch it. The yeah. Fa- Get your information right there. Uh, and then, so that that was one instance. Then so then they go up to the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone area. They're going to do some things up there. She's in communication with her family. I'm sure he's in communication with his family as well. Uh, maybe. I, I, I would assume that. Right. Right? So they go up to the Grand Tetons, that area. He comes home. It's actually her van, I believe, that they were in. He comes back to Florida. She's not with them. No one's talked to her since, you know, August twenty in the late twenties somewhere. You know, right. and and uh, and she, the, even the parents said that those were sketchy, like when she, they were talking to them. You know, yep. And so then this guy's is back with the van, and the girl's not there. You know, yep. from the way I take it, and and then it's like, this guy's just there. It's like, what's going on here? I mean, it's it's. I think it's. I think at that point it becomes fairly obvious something very deceitful is going on. Right. I think I think morally and ethically we can assume that. But again, I don't. Uh, other than that, uh, like that, that's yeah. what that's what I've seen has gone on. Right. I'll put it that way. But. Uh, but yeah, no, you know, I the point I wanted to make with this was it wasn't so much about the story, which is like you said, it's a very sad story for everyone involved and stuff like that. Uh, but. Th- the way it's being cycled and the the way it's being just completely it's just completely crammed the news cycle you know i think that uh what do you think do you think that they're like uh, do you think they're covering up for something that they might be doing now maybe maybe they don't want uh the whole general Milley thing to uh, get out, you know, as as uh, hot and heavy on the news cycle. Even though I think yeah, that I think they do. I'm sure that. they do manipulate the news cycle. But I actually think what we were talking about earlier, um, I, I think stories like this sometimes do just capture people's imaginations. Right. I really do. You think they're and just they going run for with ratings? it, and 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 it's something that they can pick up on real quick, and yeah. get, and they know they can get ratings, and everyone will just play into it. Right. And it goes to show that is more probably what really I think is probably happening. But that's again probably. my opinion. I have no idea. Now, now I mean, do now do people do facetious things when uh, the news cycle changes to a story like this? Oh yeah. Probably. Yeah. Probably. This is when the cats come out to bite. What does that mean? I have no fucking idea. (laughs) I don't know what that means, okay? (laughs) No. But, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I mean, I I definitely think, I mean, I I, I kind of, you know, Rahm Emanuel, man, we've talked about this a little bit before, but the reason I've always thought this quote was so, it stuck in my head. And I remember when Rahm Emanuel actually was quoted. I remember when this was in the news cycle, when he was the mayor of Chicago, I believe. And Rahm Emanuel said, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. You know, and I just think that is so, 
indicative and such a great perspective into the way that minds like his work, people in his position, male, female, no matter the ethnicity, people in those types of positions of power, that's the way they see it. You know, they don't necessarily create the crises. Sometimes maybe they create the the uh, foundation for the crises, right? right? But then it's moreover taking advantage yeah. once it's already taken place. You know, and they use the crisis, yeah, to their to advantage. move into positions of power. And and you know they can do that because the news cycles are taken up. That's kind of what I was trying to tie that into. You know, the news cycles taken up by chaos, and meanwhile in the background they're just. You know, doing their thing. Like I like like I think about me personally. I think about the Biden administration or just any administration, but the one right now is that uh, you know they they know what they're doing. I don't think they. It's not that they don't know. Like it's not like oh these people are just lost. They are just backwards. I think no. I think they're going by what they plan on doing and right. They want what they believe, and you just we we just disagree with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And and uh, so, you know, tactically, I think looking at it from that perspective is helpful because you're not sitting there scratching your head like an anger so much. Like, right. you know, you just it's a fundamental disagreement. And I think when we've talked about, too, uh, like a, a peaceful divorce, yep. uh, that's where people could logically make that idea. Like if you cannot come to even get to the floor to debate an issue because you disagree so much like the Democrats that fled this state. Right. If you if it comes to that, I mean, at what point do you just say, okay, we're just setting people up for failure in our country here by doing this? You know, yeah. we got to stop. We either got to stop this, or we got to figure out a way to work around this, and 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 fix this problem. Because from either side, we can't have this type of this type of standard. You know. Right. And uh, that's it. But it's already been said, and and I I don't I'm not I'm not assuming any solutions or anything. I'm, but uh. I mean, you know, we've said, I guess, you know, a peaceful divorce has a lot of implications, you know. So a lot of people that live in areas that may not want to live there or may want to live somewhere else and they don't have a way of leaving and they get trapped in those areas, you know. And so nothing speaking of uh, speaking of peaceful divorce, uh, I don't know if you've heard, you know, but uh, there, there is one particular state in this union. That is known for its uh, independent spirit, and uh, it's not the one that you're you're thinking. I'm gonna say either. Okay. I actually think. Uh, I, can I can I guess? Can, oh yeah, yeah. Go for it. Alaska. No. Dang it. No. Uh, lawmakers in New Hampshire. Oh man. Want the state to declare independence. This is a story that broke uh, sometime man. last week. Uh, state representative uh, Mike. Sylvia, a Belmont Republican, says he has filed a proposed constitutional amendment that would ask voters in 2022 midterm elections to break ties with Washington, D.C. and become a separate nation-state. Now, these kinds of bills have been introduced in various states, and they, they, they invariably fail, uh, like this one almost certainly will. But uh, I think that the... the the very fact that these sorts of bills are being tossed around so much. For this is the seeds of rebellion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's 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 a very uh, it, you know, it's a precedent being set anyway. You know, lawmakers introducing uh, bills to get 
you know, secession on midterm elections, you know, referendums for this sorts of thing. Uh, now, I, you know, I, I think that here in Texas, of course, Texas is a state where this sort of rhetoric has been tossed around basically since we joined the union, I'm sure. I'm sure there was somebody in, uh, in you know, like 1850, you know, just a few years after we joined the union, just sitting there and be like, dang it, we need to secede from the union, you know. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, this sort of rhetoric could uh, take hold in a state like Texas, especially over something like the border crisis that's going on right now. Uh, you know, Texas, uh, I don't know if you, if you followed what's going on at the border too much. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've looked into it a little bit. That has been the other thing recently within the past couple of days that yeah. has been in the news cycle very heavy, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, we've never really covered the border on here too much. You know, we've kind of, I mean, just incidentally, we haven't really talked too much about that issue, no, really. you know, and so I definitely would, uh, I definitely have looked into that a little bit, but you can keep going. I, I, you can keep on, 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 uh, th that is an issue that could definitely drive a huge wedge and is. As a matter of fact, I watched, uh, Greg Abbott today, uh, actually talked on, say, he was on some, I don't know what he was doing. He had, yeah. he was talking about this. I heard him. Uh, on my, it came up on my phone. Right. Okay. Or on my, uh, my uh, portable uh, spying. Yeah. Application. Okay. But uh, <laughs> no. Nah. And uh, anyways, he was a. Uh, not that I really give a shit. Anyways, I mean, I I, I understand. You know, I right. play the game, so whatever. You know, to do, I I it, like in buying a phone. You know, play the game as much as I want. Anyways, but uh, so he was basically saying that you know the state of Texas is spending far more money than than you know originally anticipated and he's introduced you know a couple of billion dollars into the budget now to help just with the federal agents alone and helping paying for the agents alone not even in uh, what it costs like in you know any other any other cost that comes with uh, this type of situation so you're already seeing that rift and it's all you've already been seeing it for a while as a matter of fact you know, with Abbott actually threatening that Texas was going to build the wall. Right. You know, I thought it was Mexico, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All in the background. Now it's Texas. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I, uh, one thing that I saw that was pretty interesting is that uh, grab it. Grab it. <laughs> Let's call him that. <laughs> grab it. You just did it. Yeah. Greg Abbott. No, grab it, dude. That's <laughs> badass, man. He should go <laughs> with it, dude. Grab it and go, baby. <laughs> he was. Uh, grab it. He unilaterally uh, ordered the Texas National Guard to go and shut down, I believe, something like eight uh, border crossings uh, along the Texas-Mexico border. Now, theoretically, I I, I believe that uh, Greg Abbott should have the the authority to do that. I think that uh, the state National Guard units are under the command of the governor, technically speaking. Uh but the Secretary of State, the U.S. Secretary of State, so why is that? Why are they under the influence of the governor? Well, it's the that you know that, that's, oh, oh, okay, it's the like, Texas that's the National Guard. The National, I see. Yeah, it. Yeah, the yes. Texas okay. National okay. Guard, and each state has its own. I see it. You know, yeah, the Kansas National Guard, the Oklahoma National Guard, but but uh, but anyway. Uh, oh man! Every episode, one of us loses our train of thought. <laughs> but we usually come uh, back. Yeah, yeah, we usually we'll, come we'll, back. We'll you know, do. sometimes not. Uh, but yes, the U.S. Secretary of State came out and said that technically it would be a violation of federal law for 
uh, Greg Abbott to unilaterally shut down border crossings. Uh, but as far as I've seen, he did it anyway. And I've not heard of any sort of uh, retaliation from the feds at this point. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that I don't know if they if they will push back on that sort of thing or not. But, I, you know, I think that that's kudos to, to Greg Abbott for, uh, you know, doing that unilaterally. And, and you know, that, that's a real expression of state sovereignty. That's really saying, like, you know, it's actually one of the constitutional obligations of the federal government is to secure our national borders. And if they're not going to do that, well, then, uh, you know, I think there's actually a uh, a amendment in the Texas uh, Constitution. And, uh, yeah, it says it right here, actually. Uh, Texas Constitution, Article 1, Section 1, the freedom and sovereignty of the state. Texas is a free and independent state, subject only to the Constitution of the United States, and the maintenance of our free institution and the perpetuity of the Union depend upon the preservation of the right of local self-government unimpaired to all the states. That's the very first thing in our Texas state constitution is that the preservation of the union depends upon the federal government performing its constitutional obligations, which are to defend our rights liberties and properties and part of that is defending our borders so you know like i said kudos to greg abbott for uh for standing up for texas sovereignty in that way you know yeah yeah i i, I agree i agree that you know it's probably you know if you don't have borders you don't have a secure uh uh homeland you know that's just for sure you know people are gonna especially if you have a healthy situation you know, because then if you have a healthy situation but you don't have any borders, there's a lot of the world that's doing pretty shitty. And it's going to be like, ah, oh, I'm going to go to that place. You know, they're killing it. I'm just going to go right in. Right. You know, and I think for a lot of people it's really sad, actually, man. I think this is one of the issues, again, dude. I, this is just, it's really hard to watch, to be honest with you. to Because, I mean, I mean... I live my life, man. I'm not gonna sit there and lose sleep over it, but I am empathetic to a degree. And watch, I, I don't, thirteen thousand people that flee situations, whether it be natural disasters or, you know. And I don't want to sit down and dine with all thirteen thousand. I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm sure some of them are great people. I'm sure some of them might be a little shady. But regardless of it, is uh, it's a sad situation, and I, I wish it would stop right. before it got to people thinking they can walk all the way here and just waltz right in. I think there has to be a process where people can come in this country and get away from war-torn situations, especially the ones that we tour. Mm -hmm. You know, by the way, you know, man, I mean, that's just like, that's an obvious one. Right. You know, if they're coming from a place that we have helped in, or discreetly, you know, yeah. What is that? Oh, geez. Here comes my dad. Uh-oh, Joe's here, coming yeah, in. We better get here, off the yeah. border topic. Let's get the hell off this topic, dude. Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to talk about? What are we talking about? Right. <laughs> legalize marijuana. Yeah. Okay? That's what we should do right now. We should legalize marijuana in the state of Texas. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a... Oh. Joe, you Watch walked out. right into something right now, dude. 
I heard something about legalization of marijuana. <laughs> they legalized it. No, we were saying, we were thinking that uh, it'd be a good idea, man. That's all we were saying. Yeah. Oh. I think it would be, too. <laughs> all right, Joe, we're not going to lie. We were talking yeah, about we the border. Talking. Oh, really? We were talking about yeah. the border. We just wanted to set you up with it, man, you know. <laughs> no, but uh, we. Uh, what do you think about that, Joe? What do you think about what's going on in the border, man? We'll let you have a time well, with it. Well, you know that it is a humanitarian crisis what's going on there is not is not a you, you know it's not right you know but then again you know neither is coming you know America's full we're full you know we're, we're banked out we don't have any more money our money ain't worth nothing and I think if they can get over here legally, then then fine. Yeah. You know, that's what um, people have immigrated to this country legally for generations. Do you know what, man? But, here, let me finish. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry. You know, and but I also look at it like this. Hey, they're coming over here to make a better life. It's the lazy-ass pussies that are laying around America right now not wanting to go to work. Bring them in. Let us. Let us. Let let you know. Let them make the money. Yeah. You know, I don't. You no, know, you know, I don't. I don't You see all the people around Del Rio. It's just, it's it's a crying shame. But you know, why are they here? Because their country's a disaster. Well, why aren't they trying to make their country better? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times they just don't probably have the. Yeah, the, they feel like they don't have the ability. But you bring up a couple of good points. I think one of them is that, you know, how much longer will America even really be a great country to live in if, you know, violence keeps going the way it yeah. is in the cities? And, I mean, you know, there's no real rule of law. The government is corrupt beyond all measure. Yeah. Corporations have major influence in our government, so much to where they are our government, basically, you know. There's so many issues there that how much longer does that really is that really a good thing? And the other thing, too, is... Um, Actually, I had a friend on social media when I used to have social media, and I had made this friend uh, through some some like online business thing or something, right? And he lived in uh, a country in Africa. It wasn't Mali, wasn't Mali? No, it was a uh... man. I'll have to I'll have to get back to you on what it was later in the episode. I'll look it up when I stop talking. But uh, and uh, he was a you know a religious guy, a Christian. And he was a real, real good, friendly person. And we would kind of like pen pal back and forth. And we'd write back back and forth. And even recently, like to like two months ago, he sent me an email, uh, a regular email, you know. And uh, he had asked me one time, like, man, I really want to go to America, you know. How, how do I get to America? And I was like, man, honestly, like, you, if you want to get to America like, America, like come visit, you just need to get yourself a passport somehow. And, you know, if you can get a passport in your country, get a passport through an embassy in America. If you, if there's an American embassy or I don't know how you would do that, but that's what you need to do. And you need to get a ticket and come over here. But if you're talking about like in, in like living status, you know, you have to get a work visa and or get through school or through a religious program or something to get some type of a visa to come over here. Like because that's the way I feel personally that. That well, you should you should right. go to it. Even if if I want to go to another country, I feel like I should have to do that as well. I shouldn't just be able to be a citizen of that country. 
that I should have to go there and be a productive citizen one way or the other and prove that for a a while before I'm able to become. You know, so I think that's just a fair point, no matter what country you're talking about. You know, and you can go on Levi if you have something. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that uh, you know what's going on down there. It is a humanitarian crisis. I, you know, I, I do believe that our that our borders need to be preserved. I'm, I'm definitely not one of those, uh, one of those no border libertarians. You know, but uh, you know, I do believe that the that the process for uh, for legally entering the country could be uh, expedited a little bit. Could have, or, or not? That might not be the right word, but uh, you know, sped up. I think I've used the analogy before, you know, people ask, you know, why do so many people sneak into this country when they could just come in legally? Well, there is quite a process for coming into this country legally. It's time-consuming and it can be expensive as well. And, uh, you know, I've always, I've often compared it to like a theme park, you know, a theme park. You know, if you if you jump the walls of a theme park and get caught, you're going to get thrown out of the theme park, and rightfully so. You should be thrown out of the theme park. Uh, but why? Well, you know, why do so few people sneak into theme parks? Well, because all you got to do to get into one is stand in line for 15 or 20 minutes, pay whatever the admission of the ticket is, and and you know maybe go through a security checkpoint. I just went to SeaWorld not too long ago. Had to go through a security checkpoint to get in. Kind of like, it was almost like it was almost like the airport to get into SeaWorld, you know. But uh, well, you uh, also you know, when, when you when you have that uh, idea about doing it, and you make it easier for them to have a path to citizen, like people to have a way to get citizenship. Like you actually kind of naturally vet them as well, like right. what they come here to do, what their job's going to be, what school they're going to go into, what program. Like you, you naturally see who's coming in and who's not, you know. Right. I yep. mean, dude, it's it's pretty crazy, man. That's only three hours from where we are. All that's going down, really. Yeah, you know, that's not far from where we are at all. No, and, it's uh, not. You know, it's 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 amazing, man. It's definitely a humanitarian crisis, and it's it's it should be nipped in the bud before it ever gets to that point. Nipped in the bud, you know. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a it's just a. Uh, that's about as much to the extent. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a big humanitarian crisis, you know. Biden started it all by opening the borders after when Trump got out, just saying, come on in. Yeah, he had and a little then, NTDS. And, and now he created a... Uh, uh, inhumane scenario. Yeah. You know, that ain't, you know... Yep. Uh, another thing I will say about this, man, is the Americans, like, I'm talking most Americans that I come across in my business and my daily life, it, where I live in this part of Texas, when I go out, or, you know, right. man, they're great people. Americans yeah. in general are, are good people that are, are gracious and, you know, are, are giving in the right situations, you know, can be, can be callous and ruthless as well. Don't right. get me wrong. But uh, for the most part, are, are good people, and we have a country that is stable enough to where a lot of people feel like they'd rather be here than where they are. Yeah. And I think that is something to say for our country and for all the people who complain about it and don't help it in a productive, try not to help it in a productive way. 
you know, you should be proud of having something you can work off of that's better than a lot of the world, you know? Right. Uh, and we definitely have that, I'd say. But, yeah. Yeah. So what else What well, else were you thinking, man? Levi, you have something uh, else? Yeah, I th- I th- uh, we were going to talk about the uh, General Milley thing. Uh, and that's oh, a yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, that's yeah, a situation yeah. that I think needs to be uh, talked about a little bit more. You know. Uh, See you, Joe. Thanks, man. Have a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for people who haven't heard about this, uh, there was a book. The book was called uh, Peril, right? I believe I believe that was the name of the book. Uh, yes, it is Peril. It is Peril. And uh, Bob it, Woodward and. Wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, 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 you had it pulled up there. Second yeah, ago. I do have it. Let's see. It's a Woodward's. Uh, Bob Woodward and Robert Costa. Peril. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the but, authors. Uh, anyway, in this book, they laid out uh, some phone calls that General Milley made to the Chinese uh, commander, General Lee. Uh, and Milley has actually come out and, and admitted all this, actually. And at this point, it's not just something that's from some. Uh, a couple of guys book at this point it's something he's actually publicly admitted but uh he, he apparently he made phone calls uh shortly after the election while Trump was you know railing on uh the idea that the uh election had been stolen from him uh general milley made some phone calls to the chinese commander and basically told him hey uh, just so you know, Trump might, uh, try to attack you, but, uh, we're, you know, we're not going to let that happen or, or, or no, that's not what he said that, uh, we'll let you know in advance if he does, you know, so yeah, just to let you know that, that might happen. That's all. Yeah, basically takes. communicating yeah. with the enemy. Yeah. Right? Basically telling the enemy that. Well, I don't like uh, the enemy, attack, yeah. a, 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 an know, opposition well, force. Yeah. Uh, a, telling a foreign military commander yes, that yeah, hey, if we you know if we decide to attack you, I'm gonna call you and let you know first, you know, uh, and then also on January eighth, two days after the uh, quote unquote insurrection at the Capitol, he called the Chinese commander again to assure him that everything was in control in terms of the uh, United States government. Um, so, you know, I think that for, for a lot of the people who say that, you know, Trump had a coup going, I mean, you know, if if anything, I think that this should illustrate that, yeah, there was a coup. It was more of a, uh, it was more of a coup against Trump though. Uh, one thing that also is talked about in the book that, that Milley did is that he called together a meeting of his all of his, uh, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever in command, and basically told them that if they get an order from the president to do an attack, not to do anything without his approval, that he'll he has to approve anything. Well, the president is supposed to be the commander in chief of all military forces, really. Uh, so I, I mean. Rand Paul has come out and said that uh, General Milley should be court-martialed for for his actions. Uh, you know, I, I don't know too much about the court-martial system or anything like that. I don't know, yeah, how, actually you know how that would actually work. But uh, I do think that uh, it's pretty telling when it just kind of comes out public that a 
general, a United States general, so blatantly countered a act a sitting president of the United States. I mean, no matter who it would have been, I you know I think that this would be a big issue no matter who was in uh, the Oval Office. You know, it's definitely a constitutional issue. But uh, yeah, I just think that that's you know I I think that that's why I was saying earlier you know could this whole uh, news cycle thing with the missing persons case be covering yeah, something it's, like it, that? It's, up, it's, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty convenient timing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know. First of all, I, I have to correct something because earlier I said uh -oh. something that I was thinking of, and um, I was saying I was saying on one hand how the government in this country was very corrupt and very inept, and like the corporations have bought our government, and then a couple minutes later I was talking about the American people and how they're nice, and for the people who can, you know, and like we do have a great country, and the people who complain about that should um, should uh, you know think about that. And, uh, you know, that's kind of, I don't, it, it, it seems hypocritical, but I, I feel like that I was thinking about how I said that and, and that the worst people in any country, but definitely I think in our country, I hate to say this, uh, oftentimes work their way up the highest, the most cold stone people, the ones that, oh, yeah. you know, when you meet the American, when you come into, if, if someone were to come into this country uh, a small, you know, a small town in this country, and really, most people will help you and will be gracious to you. I yep. guarantee you that. I guarantee you. Now, if you go into Washington D.C. from the border and you go there and you go up to the con go up to Congress, go up to L Wall Street, and ask them for a job, those are callous individuals. You know, they've been calloused by the system. Yep. You know, and that's kind of I wanted to separate the two because. And I also don't want to make people. I think complaining has a, a complaining is not always a bad thing. It's how you get your point across and how you debate and how you get things out there. So uh, I didn't want to make it seem like I was like hating on people who because we we complain. Right. <laughs> you know, I complain a lot. You know, not necessarily knowing that I can do anything about it, but just bitching about how people just you know how do people allow themselves to become that corrupt or whatever it is. But. Uh, I'm saying, in general, the American people are great people, and that's what really creates our nation and the way it, the feel of it, you know, right. for sure. Because people come here with the idea that they can succeed and do something, right? But anyways, going back to this, because this is the opposition of that, and this is the reason that we all are so disappointed in where we are today. Because uh, pe people like this, that this is absolutely TDS, man. This is all just TDS, you know. They, they just, it was a war, it was an internal, major internal conflict between the Trump administration, or Donald Trump, and people in the, the government, in his government, you know, or in just the government, the higher-ups, and in just the whole scheme of the establishment. And it was just an internal battle, it's just an internal war, and it's still going on, really. And it's just an internal, it's, it will, you know, I don't see it mending, you know what I mean? Like right. they will do anything to get at him. They will they would destroy the country to get at him. They they will destroy all of their ethics to get at him, to get at Donald Trump for whatever reason. I don't know why he's so worth it to them or whatever. You know, maybe it is the ratings that they want, maybe it's deeper, I don't I really don't know. Uh but they obviously I mean Twitter banned Donald Trump. I mean 
you know, to talk about anyone. I I saw someone recently talking about how like, well, Facebook banned so and so, or YouTube banned so and so. It's like, dude. Twitter banned that sitting president of the United States while yeah. he was the sitting president of the United States. So it should be no surprise yeah, to anyone that anyone can be banned at one time. The precedence has largely been set, you know? Yep. But again, this whole Millie thing, I mean, I don't know the details about it. I, I can't even really give you an opinion on what should happen to him. But should he be in command of anything right now? No. God, no. You're. I mean... Who look and here's the other thing again. It, it, it's always the precedence it sets. It's like okay, you did it this time, Millie, and it, and and you know it didn't even affect it. He still got elected, Donald Trump, right? Uh, or I guess this was at the end. But even with all the the Durham report and all that stuff to to get Donald Trump still got in. He still did his thing. You tried to undermine him on the way out. He's still as popular as ever. It, you know, I mean, really, or he's just he's still popular. Let's put it that way. He's not completely hated. He's Still yeah, does he's his just thing. not in the news cycle as much as right he now, used to be. Yeah, yeah right now. <laughs> That'll yep. change here in a little bit. But uh, anyways, you know, but what precedence is this set? What about when it's someone that they might agree with, but now that precedent has been set and there's someone, another general in there, and he undermines another president. You see how the precedence, and now it's yep. just been set to do that. So, of course he did wrong, and he should admit that he did wrong, but no one admits they do wrong. Do you know yeah. how shameful it is? Let me tell you how bad it is. They will they will kill 10 people in Afghanistan after they've already tortured that country by policy, not the people, not the military men and women who are sold a bill on why they're doing something when oftentimes is propagated by these the rich establishment, the elite establishment. They go over there, they destroy a country, they they completely botch Getting out of there. We all saw it. It's obvious to anyone, right? Yep. They completely put people at risk of all sorts at risk over there. Made it a chaotic situation when it really didn't have to be that way. And then at the end, they create, somehow, out of nowhere, comes a terrorist cell called ISIS-K. Sounds like something you would put on your feet after going <laughs> running for too long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. And they, they come up with this thing, and then they bomb 10 people. You know, one of them was a child, right? Seven. Seven of them were a child. Seven believed to be children. Yeah. You know? Yeah, what a look. Well, not even a look. That's just no, who, I mean, like, who's I mean, going like, out for that? that? Look for, for who's the rest go- of the world, who you know? Gets, who is punished for this? Right. Who did it? Whose idea was it? Right. You know? Uh, I mean, who? That that is like the... It'll ne- We'll never know. No. We'll never know. We'll, you know, we'll never know who put the bricks there in the, B- just, in the BLM protest. Collateral damage, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, we'll never know all of the things that you need to know. You know, you'll never know where the COVID, uh, you know, where COVID really started. You know, you know, this is this is ten people. The that specific subject, that's ten lives, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, they they have families. You know, shit. They have friends. They have networks of people. They. And it's just like, oops, product of war. What war? Yeah. You know? Yep. The 20-year war that you basically lied about and then just pushed under the rug for most of the time you were there, didn't even talk about, never really talked about the troops that were dying or gave people a real insight to what it looks like, what it looks like when the troops get killed by people that don't want them there, you know, and they you put them at arm's risk. People are making decisions 
4,000 miles away. They're making decisions for these young people over there, you know, fighting. You know, it's just, it's, it's completely ridiculous. It's, it's really sad. And it's even more shame, and it becomes shameful when no one even admits it. No one even says, dude, we are making some major mistakes here. And we are going to clean this up. We're going to do our best to really straighten this up. No yep. one even says that. It's like, keep marching there. Yep. Keep on. There's another terrorist cell over there. We know. We're just going to wait right now. We're going to get them. It's like, dude, just stop. Just yeah. stop right now. You know, like, it's not a good time. Right. You know, like, your, your track record's not really good right now. You know, it's not the time for that. Read the room, dude. Yep. Read the room, you know. It's not the time. Do One you want to be strong? Do you want a strong country? Sure. Yeah, but what does it even matter what you do over there when you do when you do allow your border to be open? And I'm not right. arguing for it to be open or not. I'm not even that's irrelevant to this. It's just if you're going to allow your border to be open, then what does it even matter you being over there? Yeah. You're going to go fight them over there. They're just going to come over here and go up to the border and be like, "Okay, now we're here." Right. I mean, it's it's so it's so ridiculous, man. It's like, it's like a, uh, I mean, it's hard to say that it's not, <laughs> that it's incidental, you know, right. I mean, it's very hard that it would, but chaos is chaos, I assume. Yeah. You know, but shout out to all the people out there that are keeping it real, you know, that, that keep working through it and, and, uh, keep living their lives and paying their bills and, uh, working and cause you know, that's what makes our country that, that's what gives us the standard of living is that we all get out and do something and and be productive. And, you know, shout out to the people who do that. And, and even with all this crazy shit going on, man. Yeah. You know, trying to make you get vaccinated. And, you know, it's just... It's for the birds, man. It, yeah. In a large way, it's for the birds. And, you know, when the highest of high levels do deceiving stuff like this... You know, another thing, Gerald Salente said, I remember a long time ago, and he hadn't said it in a while, but I saw this when I was young, and he, and he said, the fish rots from the head down. And it's a great analogy for America. The people are wonderful. Most people that have come to this country have come for liberty. Yep. For freedom of religion, of work, of trying to make something better out of what their situation would have been wherever it was. Name name the people. Name the culture. They've all They're come for that. And the American people are great people, man. Go to any state, any political belief, really, for that matter. You know, go to the states. There, there's some great people all over the place. And there's some bad ones, again, no doubt. I'm not going to, like, skim over that and pretend it's all just peachy, you know? Right. But... It doesn't represent us from the head down when you have people that undermine someone who was elected president. You know, they when Donald Trump was elected president, that's when distrust from the elections first became mainstream. Yeah. Not with not with the conservative movement after Donald Trump. They told the whole world that Donald Trump's not my president yeah. and separated our country right there at that moment. Not my president. I'll never answer to him. You know, he's not my president. Which, okay. That's your prerogative, you right. know. But it definitely undermines the system. So now it's come back around where it's their president. Now you got other people. And it's just going to, where is it going to lead? I don't know. But keep working. 
keep striving to be better. You know, that's right. that's all you can do in your life, man. No matter what, you know, and and again, stand for what you believe in. You know, shit. I mean, we're talking about the Australian protest earlier. I don't know if we were talking about it on on here or not. Did we even talk about it on here or not? Oh yeah, I talked about yeah, yeah, Avi Yamini a little bit. Yep. And, and it, but anyways, uh, you know though. You know, whether you like it or not, it makes you uncomfortable or not. What's the opposition that you're just going to allow them to vaccinate your kids next without even asking or without any, either they're going to make it by law, just by straight law. I mean, if there's no opposition, yeah. what, what stops them from literally putting people in camps? It's happened in history. Yep. You know, there has to be opposition and that comes with an individual's line an individual space where you have crossed over that that threshold of what they trust out of a government or a power structure. And I think that line has been crossed for a lot of people. I feel like it's already been crossed. Yeah, It's already been infringed upon. And uh, I did actually read this interesting article off of Yahoo News, and it was just one article, so I'm not going to get ahead of myself. But it was talking about how scientists believe that you know, COVID could be at its end. The at least the the pandemic could be kind of, kind of drawn down with. And the proof is in some of these variants that have come out have been real strong. And it's like, that's it trying to get by, but it can't. Enough people have gotten immunity, and right. You know, I can see them jumping ship to another. Yeah, they've lost this. They have lost this battle. Watch an NFL game this weekend. Yeah. Just watch, you Old know. Stands. And maybe Kamala Harris will show up and flip a coin. Who knows? <laughs> you know, she'll flip the coin for the coin toss. Like yeah. she did She did in some football game, you know. Yep. I remember that. <laughs> Just recently. This yeah. happened, like, recently. Yeah, it's... Oh. But, I, I, again, I don't, I, I don't work under the assumption that one or two people can fix the world. Or even right. this country. I believe it has to be a grassroots movement. So, that's what gives me good faith. I know that the people of this country uh, and, and of my state and of states around me are good people and they work hard and and that eventually, uh, you know, time will move us along, you know, and I have I truly do have faith in that. And I don't, you know, the, the these people that have obviously bought and sold our system and obviously corrupted it to the core are just going to have to do what they're going to do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They're just going to have to do what they're going to do. And, yeah. you know, they're going to infringe upon people. If they're going to continue to do that, there's going to continue to be backlash. Right. And that's just, you know, let it scare you. It may, may it scare you. But that's what's going to happen. I, I can't call people wrong for standing up on their line. Right. No. No, I think it was Thomas Jefferson who said that, you know, the uh, you will get, you know, you'll get however much tyranny you, you accept. Pretty much, you know, the people will get whatever sort of a oppressive government they won't stand up to. You know, that's how much that's how much you'll get. And uh, you know, when it comes to like the uh, riots and stuff in Australia, I think that whether or not you even really agree with the uh, with the rhetoric behind why they're rioting, you know, I think that. Uh, you should be able to take the stand of like Thomas Jefferson did during Shays Rebellion, where he was actually in France during Shays Rebellion, so he only got word of it. And mind you, that this was after the Constitution was ratified. This was in the 1790s. 
The Constitution that we have today was in full effect. The revolution was over. All that, you know. Uh, and Shays' Rebellion happened. And Thomas Jefferson caught wind of it. And he actually didn't really agree with the rebellion. He didn't really agree with... Uh, with uh, why they were rebelling or anything. And it was actually a bunch of uh, ex-colonial soldiers who uh, didn't feel like they were getting their pensions fast enough or, or something to that extent. But anyway, Jefferson, in, in, one of a, in a letter he wrote to, I believe, John Adams about this subject, he set down that he didn't necessarily agree with the rebellion, but... He also said, and I'm, and I'm going to paraphrase this just because I don't want to slaughter the actual quote, but that uh, no nation can preserve its liberty unless the, its rulers are reminded from time to time that the people possess a spirit of rebellion. And then I believe he, sa he said something like, let them take arms. He was basically saying... No, I don't necessarily agree with why they're rioting, why they're rebelling, but I do believe that no nation can stay free unless every now and then the people put some sort of check on their government. And if that has, if that check has to be uh, something, you know, like uh, like rioting or something like that. Even if it's any, I mean, that has some shock value to it, you know. It, 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 it it's, un, it's unfortunate, but it's not all the fault of the rioter. Right, exactly. You've given them no other option. Exactly. I believe it was MLK who said that the riot is the voice of the unheard. Yeah, you know what, actually, you know? I was going to say this, and I have to correct myself again. Because a minute ago, I said that, uh, cult, name the culture that's come over here, they've come over here for freedom. Uh, that is actually historically incorrect, because African Americans were brought over here enslaved... Obviously, they were not brought over here for freedom. Quite the opposite. Right. <laughs> that would be historically correct. Absolutely. Uh, not that I'm trying to be some woke central over here, but I'm just being honest that that's yeah. historically correct. But let's lead with this. I'll, I'll end with this and see what you think about this. In the Union Army, and you probably know about this, surely, mm -hmm. there was like a hundred and what, like ninety-eight hundred and ninety-two thousand African American yeah. soldiers, Colored and they troops. signed their freedom. To fight in that union, they were fight. They were fighting for their freedom, right? Quite literally, you know. Which I'm going to get to my opinion about this and wrap this up and let you end the episode with this because I I think this is a beautiful story. There was a lot of people in the north that were not of African American descent, that were white people or European Americans. Let's call them. Right. <laughs> we always have to be so correct yeah. with terms, yeah. right? You know? <laughs> Fuck it. I don't know. You know, whatever. But uh, that that were that were not down with fighting a war over slavery. It was to it was to unify the to unify right, preserve the to, union. to preserve the union. That was, you know, in the South, a lot of the poor white people were fighting in opposition to to the union. Right. You know, the rich white people whom owned slaves didn't want to lose their slaves. Surely, right. Uh, yeah. Which were probably Democrats, you know. <laughs> Just being honest, you know. All right, and being historically correct, right? No. but okay. So, but in the Union, the hundred and ninety thousand, call it—I can't remember the exact number—the almost right. two hundred thousand African American slaves at the time that were fighting for their freedom were their their heart and soul was maybe the heartbeat of the whole entire conflict. Truly. 
Because they were the ones truly fighting for their freedom. Unless you want to talk about maybe uh, impoverished people from the South as well that were going to be the same probably no matter what. They were going to be impoverished people from the South either way. But at the end of... uh, This is where I want to lead you. At the end of the of the of the war, mm-hmm. okay, the uh, the Confederacy decided to draft in a few thousand slaves, African American slaves, into the the Confederate Army, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. At the end of the war, I think that was the concession that even if we win this war, we'll give up, we'll legalize, sla- we'll oh, let yeah, them right. have their freedom. They right. had let that. Like I think that was to me. In my opinion, yep. that was a sign that the Confederacy had, had had started to give way to that issue. Right. You know? No, I think that, uh, you know, I, I've had this discussion with a few people before, you know, if the South would have won. There was a, there was a uh, documentary made, and I believe that the name of the documentary was just the Confederate States of America. That was the name of the documentary. And the whole thing was a alternate history documentary about if the Confederacy had won the Civil War, and basically they say that it would have it would have not just remained the Southern states, but that it would have eventually taken over the Union, and there would have been the whole America we have today, but it would have been the the CSA and not the USA. Uh, first and foremost, I think that scenario in itself is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, you know, Jeff- uh, Jefferson Davis, the president, the uh, president of the Confederacy, made made it clear that when he said that all we want is to be left alone, I don't think that, you know, if the North, if the United States had lost the Civil War, there still would have been a United States. It would have just been, it would have just been short about 11 states, right? Uh, But anyway, uh, in this documentary, they show shadow, you know, chattel slavery existing clear up into the 21st century. And that's just a ridiculous idea, you know. Even if, uh, and you you hit you hit a very important point there. You, you are correct that towards the towards the very end of the war, out of desperation for for armed forces, yes, the Confederacy did uh, draft, it was a draft uh, slaves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there was quite a few Confederate commanders also who uh, were of the idea that you know that they should have freed the slaves and then fired on Fort Sumter, you know, so that the Union wouldn't, so that the North wouldn't have had this big thing to cling to. This propaganda, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, I believe that even the economic, the econo- the, the sheer economic uh, conditions would have basically forced the Confederacy into a corner. By the 1880s, developed Western nations in Europe would not have still kept trading with the Confederacy if they'd have continued the uh, slavery. I mean, that's just that's just true. I mean, they they cut off their trade relations with slave nations around the 1880s, and so the idea that the Confederacy would have uh, remained a slave nation indefinitely, I think, is a is a false idea. But uh. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, a hard, a hard one to prove, but it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's all but, speculation. But, yeah, but but when you break it down like that, it's like those thousand, those those thousands of of uh, draftees that came into the rebel army right. uh, at the end, they would have had the Confederacy won, 
those people would have never been slaves again. Right. Even if they would have tried to make them. Yeah. They were now soldiers. Right. They would have. They were now the brothers of the people they were fighting next to. They that that I think that uh, I think they would have gained that right. Right. You know, I think they would have died for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and they would have brought. I think that was the beginning of the end of that. No matter what, I right. I see it like that. No, that's yeah, how that's I a good point. It. It's a very you good know? point. But um, you know, that's yeah. just you know everybody has a different perspective. But yeah, historically speaking, that is a. Uh, that's why I've often said. Uh, and I think this is why I've actually, I actually, you know, man, it's crazy how far our country has come in the time that this idea, because, you know, people have been coming over here from all parts and even slaves have been coming, have been brought into this country since the 1600s before the constitution was ever even, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a thought, you know, a, 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 over a hundred years, image, yeah. 150 years before it. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, once once the Constitution was written in things, it took 75 years to abolish this old, old tradition of slavery, of all sorts. Everyone's been, so every color of human, that every color of human can be has been enslaved at some point in human history. Right. So, it's like, uh, this is a very old idea, you know, and it's a horrible idea. It's an old world idea, and, and we transitioned out of it. We... There's still countries uh, to this day who have who 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 do you know have forms of slavery. So you know, some would argue that our system today and the tax system and the the forcefulness of being involved. I mean, think. I mean, if they force vaccines upon every single person, no. I mean, t you feel free. You know, I mean, the opposite of freedom is being a slave. Right. You know, I mean. You know, you want to have a good system and you want to work hard for your system. No one wants to be a slave to the system. And, uh, you know, so one could argue that. But I'm saying, like, how about there's a country today where there, there's slavery, forms of slavery exist. It's called Libya. Yep. Look up what happened in Libya back in, in Ob the, Ob the Obama administration with Hillary Clinton and the State Department and what they did to that country. Before that, it wasn't, that, it wasn't as big of an issue. They do have social conflicts over there, no doubt. Right. They don't live the way we do over here. I get it. It's not. I'm not saying it's a place you want to go. You know, you know, build a house on a hill or something. I'm just saying that they had a stabilized, more stabilized region over there. And then you go over there, and next thing you know, we're sitting over here preaching about how, you know, this country has done a, a magical thing getting where it's at. Right. I mean, I I see it that way, and and there are dark parts of the history, but. For sure, there are spots that uh, I say are real crappy. Uh, I mean, the Vietnam War, man, that's yeah. another huge scar. I see. I see the the Afghanistan War. Now we're living right through it. Yep. And I'm not going to try to compare those things to slavery. I think that's a different beast. But at the time that that was happening, the world, most of the world, had either still had slavery or were just breaking out of it. So you, if you want to judge on that curve, you know it just seems a little right. unfair. I, oh I just yeah, feel no, like I've it. always, you know, anyone who wants to, like a lot of people will just, you know, you bring up a founding fathers quote, and they're like, oh, I don't care about what those guys said; they were just slave owners. Like, first of all, not all of them were slave owners; a lot of them weren't. And second of all, the ones who were slave owners, yeah, okay, you're right; they were slave owners. I mean, you. you 
they were products of their time. You know, I think that it's very important when you look back at history to take off what I like to call the 21st century goggles, you know, and realize if, if you try and judge all of history to 21st century social standards, I mean, holy crap, burn all the history books, man, right up into the 70s or 80s. I mean, burn them all and repeat it again. Yeah. You know, you know, (laughs) yeah. Just do it over again. You know, have we, people always talk about how do we fix society? Talk about the great reset. Have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? (laughs) Yeah, right. That's the great reset. We burn every single bit of history and just repeat it. Reset. (laughs) The great reset. No. Shit, that's hilarious, man. No. Yeah, man, that's that's very true. But I will say this that, uh, and this is this was that the other point that I kind of lost my track of thought on a minute ago, my train of thought on. But uh, I think today in today's society, we see as Americans, uh, you know, people that you know uh, like what where they live and are proud of their and are proud of themselves and their their communities and you know want it to be better and want it to see optimistically. I'd say. Uh, you know, I see, I see that story. People who came over here as slaves were brought over here as slaves and had to literally fight and fight and fight and fight to gain any traction of freedom, even after slavery was outlawed. Uh, I, I think that is like one of the most genuine, uh, hardcore American, young American stories that needs to be told very religiously, right? Because it is like we overcame a mat a massive obstacle through rebellion. Yeah, you know, on all sides, right? Right. And it's it's a really an amazing American story. It truly is. I think it's 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 yeah. a, it's awesome. But uh, I mean, it sucks that you have to start in a dark place. But right, man, I that's. It makes me a little bit proud of where this country has come on a social level in comparison to a lot of the world. Like, there's not another country where people of all sorts like that just live right randomly throughout the country. I don't think, right? I mean, oh yeah, not that I know. Anyways. And also, I mean, you know, talk about. I mean, it's only been. Oh, I mean, we're 2021, so we're 160 years. Uh, after the Civil War, you know, that's always been one of the things that's... Uh, America's almost really as old as Joe Biden? Fa- <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that's always really fascinated me about the Civil War is, you know, so many people think about it as being ancient history. And I think, this is just my speculation here, I think one of the reasons people think about it as being such a ancient part of our history is because it, it, it was the last war to implement... Linear Napoleonic tactics with the, you know, muzzle loading, everybody with muzzle loading weapons standing in line shooting at each other, which was a, uh, yeah. which was a form of warfare for hundreds you know, of thousands yeah. of people dying in, you know, uh, uh, dozens of square, square miles, yeah. basically, you know, right. You know, and, uh, but by the end of the civil war, all that was pretty, pretty well chunked out the window. It was, it yeah. really ended up being, uh, the first modern war. But one of the things that's always fascinated me about it is is how not that long ago it actually was. I think that that a lot of people are are very misled in just thinking that it's just ancient history that has absolutely no bearing on our country today. I mean, 
look at our look at the uh, the social uh, the social status of America today and tell me that it has no bearing on 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 the uh, on our society today. I mean, you, yeah. you, you can't. You know, it, it was really only two or three human lifetimes ago. You know that this happened. The the last uh, Civil War veterans died in the 1950s. You know, I mean, the, my father was <laughs> was was born in the 1950s. I mean, I think that we've really uh, just kind of tucked this history away in the uh, in the back of our minds socially. But we need to remember that it it really wasn't all that long ago, and that if we don't think about how terrible it was and all of the uh, sort of social divisions that led up to it, I think we really risk, you know, repeating that sort of history. And I think that that's just not the kind of, uh, not the kind of path we want to find ourselves on, you know? Yeah, no doubt about it. I think a lot of people in this country do not want to see that happen. Some probably do and some probably don't, but they're willing to do whatever to preserve their way of life. Uh, that they've that they feel like that they've been granted by God and by being born or coming to this country one way or the other and and uh, fighting for it or whatever it took and uh, like I said man I'm I'm I uh, I think every situation's different I I don't want to sit there and you can't judge every situation by uh, you know <laughs> in in a general sense. But uh, with with this particular situation, with what's happened since COVID nineteen, particularly, and uh, just you know the mandates and just the forcefulness of that, uh, I, I support people who stand up and and who oh, yeah. use civil disobedience. I, I truly do, and I am not saying that that, to, that you should get violent or anything like that. Cause it's not going to end up well, surely, but. I mean, man, at what point do you, you know? It's yeah. like they, they read this, they read, someone was reading this quote of this guy who, who was in the, uh, was in, you know, one of the, one of the ghettos, you know, right. and it's like, was talking about that, like, had we known we were going to the gas chamber, maybe we all wouldn't have hid inside of our house. Maybe we all would have stood up and said, we have nothing left to lose at this point. And at right. that point, we would have, you know, it said, I, I'm, I'm not quoting directly here, but basically said, what if, what if the, the people, the police who came and got us, the guards that came and got us had to fear that they, that their houses could be destroyed or that, that they weren't going to truly go home to their families that night, that it was going to be a war right. and then it was not. And, and instead, you know, that was the difference in us and our gas chamber the, that we allowed the atrocities in that sense that we should have just fought for our. Right. Our way, and at what point do you have to? Do do people feel like they have to? And I think the point comes when someone has a job, and they've had a job, and they've been doing just fine. And even through COVID, some of them have been having to work through it. And then all of a sudden, there's a vaccine, and they don't want to take it because they don't want to take it for whatever reason. Because they would rather die of COVID than take it. I'm not going to judge them for that. That's their right to choose that. Okay, whatever. Other people that don't want to can go get the vaccine. You know, now they're forced to take the vaccine they don't want to take. So, or they lose their job, you know, and that seems like, I mean, you, you should start to be concerned at that point. Right. I'd say that's a fair place to start to really be concerned. Yep. Uh, where does it go from there? It's, they will not relinquish that. 
It will always be a standard that when they tell you to get something medically, you have to get it. And there's no oversight. And if, if people start dying, oops. Yep. Oh, like that drone strike. Oops. Dang it. That's what happens when we're testing, uh, you know, when we when we let things out of labs and test yep. them. Sorry. Our bad, you know. I mean. Yep. So, you know, people, people are going to people and we're imperfect. We're all imperfect, you know. Uh, I think the best form of the best form of governance starts at the self. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said. It may, not, it may not end there, but it damn sure starts there. Yep. You know. Peace out. We want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast, The Independent Thinking Texans. A lot of times, you know, we may not necessarily know what we're saying or doing, but who really does in this world? It's a busy, busy place. Thank you so much for taking the time, though. We do appreciate it. Keep thinking for yourself, always and forever. Have a great day.